Friends, thank you so much for worshiping at Westside, or if you are listening to our podcast or seeing this online, thank you for connecting with this message through the magic of the internet. My name is Adam, and I am the senior pastor at First United Methodist Church, and today I am your guide through the spiritual discipline of studying the Bible. We're in our second week of our spiritual discipline series, and the spiritual discipline is a practice that we use in order to grow deeper in our faith and grow closer to God. And uh, one of the all-time classics is studying the scripture, studying the word of God. Last week, we looked at a couple questions. What is the Bible? Why should we study it? And I wanted to open up kind of in that same mode today with a couple more frequently asked questions. Question I get asked all the time as a pastor, why are there so many versions of the Bible? King James Version, New International Version, New Revised Standard Version, New Living Translation, The Message. There are tons of translations of the Bible. There's probably some really cool ones I haven't even heard of, right? There's just lots of them out there. The fact is the Bible was not written in English. It was written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. It was translated into Latin a long, long time ago. And then around the 1500s, major efforts came underway to translate the Bible into English. And we've been working on it ever since. There are some translations that are more technical when it comes to the, how the original language is treated. And there are some versions of the Bible that aim to be a little more user-friendly. Now, every credible translation is put together by a very committed and very smart group of people, a committee of experts. But here's what I want you to know. Every translation is an interpretation. There are concepts in these ancient languages of Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew that we don't have lingual equivalents for in English. And so the different translations deal with some of these a little bit differently. But don't ever let anyone tell you that one translation is the best one or that a certain translation is a word-for-word literal translation because that just isn't true. It's okay, friends, to have your favorite or the one you grew up with or the one that you're used to. Nothing wrong with that. But keep in mind, Jesus didn't speak a lick of English. Every translation is an interpretation. Now, if you're wanting to pick a Bible, pick a translation that feels comfortable for you. Here at church, we typically use the New International Version, although I like to throw a little New Living Translation in there, especially for my girl Tess. Another question, where should I start? This is kind of what we wanted to focus on last week. So if you missed that, I'd encourage you to check out our podcast. If you're wanting to study the Bible, and I hope you are, you're in good company The Bible is one of the most studied texts in human history. This is going to be a theme for us. And you have a lot of resources at your fingertips. Last week, we talked about the YouVersion Bible app. You can get on uh, on your app store, download this bad boy, and it's free. And you can get on a reading plan. It's amazing. Another resource I'd like to point you to is a book. It's called Through the Bible Through the Year. And that will give you kind of a sampling of, of all these different books of the Bible throughout the year, just like the title says. So today is really about helping you start or grow deeper in your study of Scripture. And before we get into how we should study the Bible, I really wanted to look into one more question, and that's why does the Bible matter? Why are we talking about this in the first place? I brought a little something with me today, so I'm going to switch out these iPads here. This is, my old, this is old Bessie. This is my old trusty iPad 
uh, that's over 10 years old. I believe this was the iPad 2 or second generation or something. And for years, this served me very, very well until it didn't. Now, it's a brick, right? There's a concept in, in technology, just maybe in industry, called planned obsolescence. In other words, Apple doesn't want this thing to last forever because then I would need to buy a new iPad, right? So over time, as they update the software, this iPad becomes slower and slower until it was at the point where it couldn't even handle my sermon PDFs. There was a time when this was the pinnacle of human technology. People, people stood in line for hours, maybe even days, to be the first one to buy a new iPad. And now, it's a brick. It's a brick. It's a $300 coaster. It's literally collecting dust. I had to kind of wipe it off before I got up here. And the only reason I have it around is for this amazing sermon illustration. It's a, so friends, that's a $300 sermon illustration. I hope that was worth it. But here we have this amazing piece of technology that lasted for a little while and now it's useless. Friends, we are in a world where so little lasts. We are so fickle. One of the things I love about the Bible is that it has lasted. Ancient words spoken by God that have inspired people for millennia, thousands of years. I love the Bible because it has stood the test of time. I need something in my life that will last. And that's what Jesus promises in the pages of the Bible. Why does the Bible matter? When the storms of life come, what are you standing on? Jesus says this in Matthew 7, one of my faves, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person who built their house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish person who built their house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The greatest thing I've learned in 17 years of ministry is that we have no idea what people are going through. One of the reasons I love this scripture is that it speaks to our universal experience of the storms of life. It's not a question of when the storm is gonna come. Wait, it is a question of when. I need a Red Bull. It's not a question of if the storms are gonna come. It's a question of when the storm is gonna come. When will the rain come? When will the streams rise? And when will the winds blow and beat against your house? And will it stand or will it crash? Why does the Bible matter, friends? Studying scripture gives us a firm foundation to stand on. These promises of God remind us of the hope that we have, not just that we'll get through ever whatever it is we're going through, but that we can, as Methodist founder John Wesley put it, land safe on that heavenly shore. This is what he said. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven, how to land safe on that happy shore. God himself has condescended, or my own little comment here, God himself has come down 
to teach the way. For this end, he came from heaven. He hath written it down in a book. The message that Jesus came to deliver is far from universally received today. And the same was true when he spoke it originally. Not everybody got on board with what Jesus was teaching. He says this in John chapter six. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Lord, where else can we go? For only you have the words of life. My desire is that you could either begin for the first time or continue to read and understand the Bible so you too can possess the words that give eternal life. So at last, how do we study the Bible? Last week was the introductory session. This week is the big girl, big boy Bible study. So let's get into it. Now, I'm gonna date myself uh, here because I'm old enough to remember when Facebook first came out, when it first became a thing. That's right. There was a time when you had to have a .edu email address because it was only for college students and even then in only certain campuses. And it was a really big deal to be able to put your relationship status on Facebook. Are you single or married or, or whatever? But the most infamous relationship status on Facebook will forever be, it's complicated. It's complicated. A lot of us have a complicated relationship with the Bible because the Bible is a complex book. What I'm hoping to do in this message is give you one method along with some tools and resources to help you read and understand the Bible so that you can develop your own spiritual discipline of study. There are three principles of an approach called inductive Bible study that we're gonna look at today. Now, inductive Bible study is also referred to as IBS. And I just needed to say out loud, I'm leaving a lot of jokes on the table, all right? This is the discipline, inductive Bible study. This is what I was trained in and studied at Asbury Theological Seminary. An inductive Bible study aims to draw as much meaning as possible using primarily the text. What we're trying to do is unlock what the text would have meant to the original audience and what it can mean for us in our modern lives. When you came in, I hope you received one of these handouts in the bulletin. If not, you may want to be able to grab one of those. I'm sure somebody would, would help point you to one. We've got a little bonus for you today, and this is a sheet I hope you can take home because it provides us some simple instructions of one method of, of how to study the Bible, this inductive Bible study. That's what we're going to be over, going over for you today. So the three main principles of inductive Bible study are observation, interpretation, and application. We want to encounter the text personally, try to discern what it would have meant to the original audience, and then try and understand, well, what does it mean for us today? Each of these phases play a part in understanding the scripture better. And so on your little page here, I've written out the main scripture we use from Matthew. So you, you can start with just this, this week. You're, you're good to go. This is your starter kit to have your own spiritual discipline. So the first step is observation. We want to encounter the text personally kind of at face value, if you will. And what this means is we just read it a whole bunch. Read it over and over and over again. 
You'll, you'll be surprised what might jump out at you uh, the different times you kind of run through it. You can read through it in multiple translations. There's a lot of uh, free resources to help you do that online. And so what we want to do is encounter the text personally as we observe it. And then after you've read the text repeatedly, go back and mark it up with this little rubric here. All right, like what inspired you or what was meaningful to you? Go ahead and, and write a little exclamation mark. You can do that right on this sheet. You can do that in the pages of your physical Bible. And for some of us, that's like, oh gosh, I would never do that. Hey, it's a tool for you to use. I don't think God's gonna be mad at you for really getting into this and marking it up. So I'd encourage you to do that. So what inspired you or was meaningful to you? Next, what, let's go to the inquire phase. What questions do you have or when was curiosity raised as you looked at this passage? You, after that, uh, you know, after you let your mind encounter, whatever questions might bubble up in your mind, go ahead and, go ahead and note those. Put a question mark. This is so important. I was teaching a middle school class to some of our students the other day, confirmation, and, and one of them began with, well, I have a question, but I think it's, I, I think it's dumb. And I was like, no, no, no. There's no dumb question. That's what we're here for. Questions are what we're after. That's part of the discipline of study. Next, put a little asterisk. Did I say that right? Asterisks? Asterisk? Put a little asterisk, a little star, by anything that irked you. Right? What, what frustrated or bothered you? And friends, if you haven't been bothered or frustrated or, or confounded by anything in the Bible, I would suggest to you that you haven't read enough of it. It's okay to be irked. Go ahead and put that down too. And finally, what might cause you to make a change? What is this scripture gonna require of you to do? Go ahead and note that with the little triangle sign, the sign for change, I'm told. Right, what is this task requiring of you? For example, our text earlier, when Jesus said, those who hear my words and put them into practice, that's gonna require a change from me to put these things into practice. Next is interpretation. What did the text mean to the original audience? Just from the text, what can I understand about the setting? Is, is it a letter? Is, is this uh, text primarily a collection of laws? Is it poetry? Is it history or prophecy? You can kind of get a sense of the genre just, just by picking up the context clues, just by reading through the text. You don't have to consult any fancy resources. Or what about the author? The author of John refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loved. And I guess when it's your book, you can do that, right? I was like that. When was this book written? Who was the audience? Right, now some of these questions we may not know just, just from reading the text, just from observing what's there. But we live in the information age and friends, again, the Bible is one of the most studied documents in human history. So we have access to a lot of great thoughts from a lot of smart people who have spent a lot of time digging into this stuff before we started. And that's a good thing. So I wanted to go over some tools. These are listed on the bottom of your pages. Some of these you can access for free, some of which uh, you'll have to invest a little bit in, but it's worth it. The first is a study Bible. These have all kinds of great introductions to every book, as well as a ton of footnotes to help you know more about what you're reading. The NIV Study Bible is just an all-time classic. Also, there's a site called BibleGateway.com. I almost always have a tab of this open on my computer at all times. And for a small fee, you can subscribe to Bible Gateway Plus, and that'll give you access to a lot of these resources and commentaries. 
Charles Swindoll is a famous pastor and theologian. He has a website called Insight for Life at insight.org. So here on this page, you can see that he, as you scroll down, I believe this was the book of Matthew, yeah. Man, he's got like how it's all laid out and organized. It's got this handy chart for you to check out. If we go back, you can see that he's, he's got a ton of information as you scroll down. Okay, where are we? Who was the author? What was the setting? And all this info that's amazing is just out there for you for free. When an individual or a group of folks has studied a particular book, they write a resource and it's called a commentary. Now I've listed some in your handout and one of those that is my favorite is the William Barclay Daily Study Bible. And uh, this is actually uh, my dad's copy and it's from like the 1950s. I think it was the second printing. I don't get a whole lot of opportunities to show this off, so I just thought I'd bring it out for you. This is, this is, this is one of several volumes uh, that, that uh, are these commentaries that he wrote. Uh, another favorite commentary of mine is John Wesley's commentary on the Old and New Testament. You can access those for free online. Again, it's just all there for you. We've tried to list these uh, so you can know where to start. There's a couple other things I've listed, listed there for you. Uh, the IVP or InterVarsity Press Bible Background Commentary is an amazing resource. There's a couple other books there for you. Here's the deal. There's tons and tons of resources. There's no shortage out there. But I wanted to give you some of my favorites, some places to start, and I also want to help you steer clear of some of the janky and or crazy stuff that's out there because there's a lot of that too. Let's move on. After we've made observations and tried to interpret how the original audience may have received the text, we want to get into application. What does this mean for me today? This is where we open ourselves up to the living word of God and let scripture speak to us on what this means for our lives. What timeless truths are meant for us today? There's lots of questions listed here for you to think through. And this makes great conversation with other people who are on the same journey. Friends, Bible study is a team sport. You don't have to do this alone. So to get you started, I would suggest a brief book of the Bible. I I, I would try out Jonah in the Old Testament or Philemon or James in the New Testament. These are each biblical books that you can read in one one setting, one sitting. So you can get a whole sense of this entire book. You can also have your head hit the pillow that night and be like, hey, who read a whole book of the Bible today? That's right. And you can really start to dig in, just section by section, using this inductive Bible study method. So start with one of these small books and just give it a try. Friends, I wanna encourage you, if you're just starting out, please don't get discouraged. Every expert starts off as a novice. And so if you're just getting started, that's the whole point of this series. If you've been doing this for a long time, then I would love to hear your own methods and your practice of study. The spiritual discipline of study can take lots of different forms. And all I've tried to do is scratch the surface with one for us today. My prayer is that you can read and understand the Bible and that by studying the scriptures, you can have a firm foundation to stand on. And everybody said, amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the access we have to amazing resources, the whole history of our faith at our fingertips to help us delve deeper into what your word would mean for us today. Thank you for a community that we can come and study together. Thank you for the amazing ways 
that you provide us hope, that you provide us comfort, and that you provide us courage in the face of the storm through your holy word. We ask all these things in the name of your son, the living word Jesus, who came to us not just to give us information, but to show us what you are like. As we read your written word, may we get to know your living word so that when the storms of life come, we can stand on firm ground. Amen.